Good morning. Welcome to Breakfast with Kent for Friday the 13th. It's November 13th, 2020. We're brought to you by the great people of today's dentistry, Dr. Mike O'Neill, the best dentist that there is. I had an appointment there yesterday. I've got a cavity. What are you going to do? You know what? I'm going to get it fixed by the best dentist in the world. That's what I'm going to do. 317-849-2933. He is very specific about what he's looking for. He is very passionate about keeping your dental health as good as it can be. That's why I love Dr. Mike O'Neill. Again, 317-849-2933. How about those Colts? Last night, 34-17, they beat up on the Tennessee Titans. That second half was utterly perfect for the Colts. Kind of a first half where, where the Colts, in four possessions, they didn't have a possession with under eight plays. They had an eight-play possession, two 11-play possessions, and a, I think a 13 or 15-play possession. They were really good. But at, at the half, there was a deficit. They were down. And then all of a sudden, the special teams for the Titans got very, very shaky. And all of it, you know what? We don't talk about special teams a hell of a lot. We talk about offense versus defense and defense versus offense, but the special teams of the Colts are almost always an advantage. Sometimes it's a slight advantage, but last night it was a big advantage because the Titans were on their third punter in three weeks. That punter shanked a ball, which gave the Colts positive field position at the Titans' 27. And you had EJ Speed get through, get a punt block, a scoop and score. TJ Carey scores a touchdown. And how about Naheem Hines? On his birthday, really, really good. Uh, 12 carries, 70 yards, had some catches for 45 yards, I think. Five catches, 45 yards. And Phillip Rivers. We spent a lot of time crapping on Phillip Rivers the past week. This is just, this is crazy. Like, we're smarter than this, generally. And we watch football, and we understand football at, at a certain level. But when we watched the Baltimore Ravens and the Colts not quite a week ago and watched what Phillip Rivers did and the decisions that Phillip Rivers made and the arm that Phillip Rivers displayed, we are like, okay, this is all, this is not good. This team has this ceiling because Rivers can't play anymore. Jason Lock and four of CBS, not a... Not a nut, not some kind of, you know, click horror type guy for CBS. He writes that it's time to bench Philip Rivers before it's too late. Last night, it wasn't too late for Philip Rivers. At the age of 38, about to turn 39, Philip Rivers is 29 of 39 for 308 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, a QBR of 76, and a passer rating of 105.5. He was really good. He's not going to be the reason you win games, but he can't be the reason you lose games. And last night, he wasn't the reason that the Colts lost that game. They didn't lose. Utterly dominated the Tennessee Titans, who came into that game 6-2. and two. So one of two things is true. Either that 6-2 and two is a complete canard, right? A mirage. The Titans aren't that good. Or the, pay, the, the Colts really are that good. That defense was really good last night. For the Colts, holding yet another opponent under 300 yards total offense. Derrick Henry was pretty good, but not good enough. And, and Ryan Tannehill was not the best quarterback on the field last night. 
You look at him statistically, ranks in the top 10 in a lot of meaningful areas. Philip Rivers generally in the high teens in a lot of rankings. Philip Rivers was the better quarterback, at least on that night last night. So now you got a long week. You're coming off this win, and the Packers are coming to town. And then you've got the Titans right back here. And if you take care of business against the Titans in 16 days, right? Yeah, 16 days. You know what? The AFC South is kind of yours. Who saw that coming? Yesterday, the, the anticipation was, boy, if, they, if the Colts lose this game, the AFC South is gone. Wave bye-bye to an AFC South title. You win that game, and holy hell, it's all right there for you. Wacky season, wacky year, wacky season. The good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, Obviously, not a lot of ugly. The ugly, uh, you know, if you want to count the Titans' first drive of the night, that wasn't good. The the Colts really just kind of passive resistance. But that... Got their attention, I think, and all of a sudden they kind of woke the hell up and started playing football. Uh, The bad special teams for the Titans, terrible. Goskowski can't make field goals. That really hurt. When the Colts were were up by 10, and Goskowski came on to make it a seven-point game, a one-possession game, and he missed it wide right, that was absolutely huge in the flow of that game. Uh, nine penalties, 73 yards for the Colts. That qualifies as the bad, but the good, like I said, Naheem Hines was terrific. Uh, the Colts' defense was terrific. Phillip Rivers, really, really good. The Colts ran 28 straight offensive plays, and this is why teams like to defer, because what you can do if you've got the ball at the end of the first half, like the Colts did, Colts ball, end of the first half, they get the field goal, as time expires in the first half, and then they they get the ball back to begin the third quarter. Uh, Those two drives comprise 28 consecutive plays, and if you can run 28 straight plays, you're keeping your defense off the field, you're keeping your defense fresh, and how good were they last night? Rhodes was good, Carey was good, Blackman was good, Willis was good. Grover Stewart is terrific. Grover Stewart... Like, we talk about DeForest Buckner being a Pro Bowl guy, right? And he is. And and Darius Leonard being a Pro Bowl guy. I, How many Pro Bowl guys do you have on this, on this defensive side of the ball for the Colts? I think he's Sam Grover Stewart, too. He's been unbelievably good. He was really good last night as kind of a spy for Derrick Henry, right? He made... I think he made like five solo tackles. That is a terrific night for a guy who plays Grover Stewart's position and has Grover Stewart's responsibilities. I thought he was uh, terrific. I thought DeForest Buckner was really good last night. Danico Autry with another sack. Colts rolling. All of a sudden, they're six and three. When they went to five and two, we remember what five and two is like last year. And we thought, ah, you know what? Okay, it's another, they're going to recede to the mean, right? Not so much. They played really good football last night on a short week. T.Y. Hilton back with four catches. Nice. How about Michael Pittman Jr. with over 100 yards receiving last night? He looked like a guy where, uh, you know what, he's good at finding the hole in the zone. 
He's good at, at bringing the football in, securing it. There was one play, makes the catch, kind of turns, gets hit in the gut, holds onto the ball, had to come out of the game. But that showed some stones. On the negative side, Jordan Wilkins, right? Alligator armed it on a slant, and you can't have that. You, you got to pony up for the team, especially on, uh, on, on third down when you've got a chance to pull a ball in and, and avoid a, a fourth down. Frank Reich rolling the dice all over the place, going for it on fourth down. He had no respect for the Titans' defense at all and rightly didn't have any respect for their defense. Bring on the Packers. Let's go. Nice. We'll see what Aaron Rodgers can do against, uh, against the Indianapolis Colts gunslinger from South Alabama, the great Phillip Rivers. Isn't it odd? Week after week, depending on what Philip Rivers does, our opinion of Philip Rivers changes radically. And our opinion of the Colts changes radically because we believe what we last see. And what we saw last night was a team, they could win a playoff game. You know what I mean? And if you can win one, maybe you win two. I don't know. You know, you, you start to think about different stuff. We kind of know what this team is. We, we know that they're not going to play four great games in a row and beat four, four really good teams in a row. That's impossible. That's not going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, so it's unlikely to happen in the future. But at least last night was fun, right? <clears throat> Let's talk about something that's not so much fun, and that's Victor Oladipo. J. Michael from the Indianapolis Star reporting that Victor Oladipo uh, said in front of teammates to opponents for the Raptors, the Heat, and the Knicks, uh, can I come play with you? That didn't sit well with guys in the, in the Pacers locker room. And, and here's the thing about Vic. Vic is uh, iconoclastic, right? That, that's who he is. He's kind of, he, he's an enigma. He, he's, uh, he lives inside his own head. And, and what he wants to be, I think he covets being a, a diva. And, and a star, wants to be a diva. Not a lot of guys want to be a diva. I think Vic really enjoys that role of being a diva. And, and coming off that quad tendon injury, he doesn't have the game to back it up. So here he is asking opponents, can I come play with y'all, right? The deal is, who's going to take him? And for what? If the Pacers, here's a deal that the Pacers did last offseason for T.J. Warren. In order to take on his contract, the Pacers required two second-round draft picks. That's the way that deal worked. The Pacers didn't give up squat for T.J. Warren. They got stuff to take T.J. Warren. I, I think that that's where Victor Oladipo is. If the Pacers want to get shed of that $21 million price tag for Vic this upcoming year in order to play basketball, maybe well if he recovers from that quad tendon uh, tear, or maybe poorly like he did in the bubble, I think they're going to have to give stuff up. I, people talk about getting things. Getting, let's get a lottery pick and a, a contributing wing. Okay, who the hell is crazy enough to pony that up for Victor Oladipo? It doesn't even make sense. Victor Oladipo couldn't play dead in the bubble. So 
what kind of a deal does Vic think is possible for the Pacers to make to move him out of here? Vic has put himself in a really untenable position with, with Paul George. Like, you could get value for him. And that's what, that's what Kevin Pritchard did, getting Victor Oladipo and Domas Sabonis. But moving Vic, given the injury situation, that's not going to be an easy task for Kevin Pritchard. And that could be cancerous on this team and cancerous in this community because there's one thing you cannot do. And this is true in a bunch of cities, not just Indianapolis. But if you crap on our town while you're living in our town, you're dead to the people here. It's the same thing in Cincinnati, same thing in St. Louis, same thing basically in Chicago, although Chicago's aren't, Chicagoans aren't quite that prickly about it. Um, but if you crap on people here, people take that seriously. And, and that's kind of what has been portrayed. And, and J. Michael is a really good journalist. J. Michael isn't screwing around. J. Michael has his I's dotted, his T's crossed. That, that's who he is. You talk to J. Michael about journalism a little bit, and you find out kind of where he is in his head. And so I believe everything he wrote, despite the fact that Tom Crean went on the Dan Dockett show yesterday and said that uh, Vic got angry at him when, uh, when Tom asked, did he really say those things? I have a tough time believing that that conversation took place. Who, why would Tom Crean ask, did you say those things? I don't even understand. I think Tom Crean's carrying Victor Oladipo's water. I, I think that that's what's happening. And good for Tom. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs a mentor. And Tom uh, filling that role for Vic. But this is, this is quickly becoming an untenable position for the Pacers and for Victor Oladipo. And it's a good thing, maybe, that there won't be fans in all likelihood when the season opens up at Banker's Life Fieldhouse, because I think Vic could get booed. And that would be uncomfortable for Vic, for everybody. So we'll see about Miles Turner, though. Miles Turner, this is kind of interesting. And, and I think that he has, uh, he has great value to the Pacers. I'm not sure that he doesn't have more value to the Pacers than what teams are offering for his services. And he's very popular, a very popular target for people calling Kevin Pritchard. Gordon Hayward, the number 14 pick, you're going to have to massage money a little bit to make that happen. But that's a conversation that's happening. Miles Turner, 24, 25 years old, hasn't hit his prime yet. I, I would be really wary. And he's under contract, and it's a reasonable contract for a couple of years. I, I would, I would mm, I'd tread lightly in making the decision to uh, punt on Miles Turner. I like Miles Turner. Um, let's talk about the Masters. Masters on the TV right now. Holy cow. Was that Rory? Rory just, uh, just pulled the ball into the woods. Anyway, Justin Thomas playing really, really well. He was four under after six holes. He bogeyed seven yesterday. Had to shut it down after a birdie on 10. And, uh, so he right now is at five under after, uh, playing the 12th. I think he's still on, uh, the 13th. Tiger, four under yesterday, tied his low round ever in the first round at Augusta. Paul Casey, the leader at seven under par. But people are going, uh, they're hunting birdies. They're hunting the pin at Augusta because it's soft and inviting. 
And how about Bernard Longer? Four under par. That's unbelievable. He's like 63 years old. He's hitting three woods, for God's sake, at Augusta. He played two just a few minutes ago and notched a birdie, going driver, three wood, and chipping a traditional birdie at the par five second. Kind of fun to watch. And how much fun is it to listen to uh, Uncle Vern? Vern Lundquist, every year, this is the only thing he does for CBS, is the Masters, and he still sounds great. I love Vern Lundquist. Uh, Indiana, Michigan State tomorrow. We kinda, we've kind of parked this game out there at this point because it's Michigan State. Indiana, after beating Penn State and Michigan, they're going to roll into East Lansing, and it's going to be fine. All right. What are we, psychotic? Are you crazy? Have you forgotten about a century of mediocrity at best with Indiana football? You get to 3-0, and Indiana fans are kind of like, well, we're going to Gordy's Lansing. Going to just roll through the Spartans. All right, let's see what happens tomorrow. And if they do win against Michigan State, it sets up a great game against Ohio State next Saturday. Who would have thought? Indiana and Ohio State have never played each other while both teams were ranked in the top 10. Ever. Ever. Indiana's only been ranked in the top 10 for 13 weeks total in program history. These are, this is a weird year. Like, whatever you, whatever you feel about 2020, and, and we're all glad to be here, right? And, and if, you're, if you don't have the COVID, you're happy you don't have the COVID. But this has been a wacky-ass year. This has been the craziest year of all time. And so, of course, Indiana's ranked 10th in the country in uh, high school football. High school, or in uh, college football, high school regionals tonight. Big games, Carmel at Ben Davis, Warren Central at Center Grove. Wow. Any of those games could be the 6A state championship, although Center Grove still a prohibitive favorite to win that tournament. Uh, in 5A, you've got Dwanger at Zionsville. You've got Whiteland at Cathedral. I think Cathedral beats Whiteland, oh, let's say uh, 35 to 7. I think that's what the score is going to be for the Cathedral Fighting Irish. Ron Colley at Fortville in 4A, 3A, Concordia at Chittard, 2A, Western Boone at Heritage Christian, and 1A, South Putnam at Covenant Christian. Let's celebrate some birthdays, shall we? I'm giddy. There's a lot going on, right? You know, and, and for God's sake, let's keep all of this rolling. Can we keep all of this rolling? Dylan Fratelli now, six under par, and uh, Dylan Fratelli. What are you going to do? How about the Augustine kid from Vanderbilt at three under after eagling 13? He chipped in. Uh, anyway, birthdays. I could go on for a while. At the great Alex Coors, smiling Alex Coors, celebrating a birthday. One of the great wide receivers in the history of Division Three football. Played at DePauw and was unbelievable. An All-American at DePauw. Alex Coors, a graduate of Cathedral High School. John Snyder, Happy birthday, Jimmy Barron and Kenneth Bailey. Happy birthday. If today's your birthday, you celebrate like hell. And if it's not your birthday, you celebrate somebody else. That's best done with an honest and specific compliment. If you are, if you are kind of, uh, if you look at the calendar and see Friday the 13th and you say, oh my God, I, woo, hide under a table. Because Friday the 13th, 
in this crazy-ass year, anything can happen. All bets are off. Let's go. Tiger, can't wait to see Tiger. He finished his first round yesterday, so he goes off later today. Adam Scott now at four under playing the 14th hole. How much fun is this? We got the NFL season. We got college football. We got the Masters. We got everything happening at once. It's fantastic. I can't wait for this weekend to begin. And, oh, look at the time. It's about to.